Kiss My SaaS is the podcast for the modern MSP. Together with industry experts, peers, and all-star guests, we're here to tackle the realities of building a future-proof MSP cloud business with no filter. Each episode is packed with real-life stories, insights, and advice to ensure you can do more. So what are you waiting for? Let's get into it. Welcome, everyone. My name is Craig Weir, host of Kiss My SaaS, the podcast for the modern MSP. I'm based in Toronto. I've been in the channel for the past 20 years, and I manage the global cloud portfolio for Ingram MicroCloud. In this episode, we're talking about customer success. Now, improving our experience is likely one of the key driving forces behind digital transformation. Whether the focus is to improve operations, automate manual tasks, or create new omni-channel offers, it all adds up to serving our customers or our customers' customers better. And if that transformation effort doesn't have the potential to positively impact efficiency, consistency, scalability, and experience, then digital transformation projects wouldn't be moving ahead with such a speed and force. So we need to ask ourselves, is this solving a problem or creating a new one? Well, this week we have two exciting guests to help tackle this topic, both whom have customer success in their job titles. First, we'll explore our approach to customer success and how it relates to our own digital experience with Eric Gitter, Executive Director of Customer Success. And then we'll move on to a broader view from one of the world's largest cloud providers with Matt Hall, Worldwide Director of Customer Success and Strategy at Microsoft. And finally, we'll ask our guests for their music recommendations for our Spotify playlist. So let's get our first guest in here. Eric Gitter, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, your role, and maybe something personal so we can get to know you a bit better. Thank you very much, uh, Craig. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I've had the pleasure of uh, listening in and watching in on uh, some of the previous episodes. And I think um, it, this is great what you're doing here. And I hope it provides a lot of value uh, for our partners and the ecosystem. So a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Eric. I'm responsible for global customer success at uh, Ingram Micro Cloud. Um, I've been in the technology industry for about uh, 15 years, uh, mostly focused on enterprise sales, always in the cloud arena, um, strategy and consulting, and a lot of it also in what uh, nowadays we actually call um, customer success. Um, I'm based in Germany. Um, I'll tweak it a little bit so you understand I'm actually German. <laughs> uh, for context, this makes it easier. Um, my, um, my wife is Ukrainian-Israeli. My mother uh, is Jewish-Brazilian. My father is cliché German. Uh, and I say that because uh, the fun fact is it's pretty hard to get me riled up. And that's important uh, when you're engaging uh, with uh, partners, when you're engaging internally. So always keep your calm and stay focused on, uh, on the joint outcome. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Excited Correct. about the conversation. Before we get into the crux of customer success, we always like to ask our guests a couple questions to get things started. Rapid fire. What is the first technology you ever sold or became comfortable with? Sold, uh, it was probably my, uh, my first Game Boy that I sold at the local flea market. Uh, but properly as a professional, uh, in, my first, uh, in my first sales job, um, I sold a mobile payment uh, online solution. So think of it like PayPal, but you're paying everything on your phone bill. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So the Game Boy. Okay, this leads me to my next question, the entrepreneurial self. Go back to that little boy playing, selling the Game Boy. What kind of advice would you give yourself if you had to go back? I know this sounds off, but um, I'm extremely happy uh, where I am right now. I've got an amazing family. I love my job. I've got an incredible team. 
Um, so I'd say, you know, I could just say, ask me again when I'm a little bit older. Um, but a quote uh, that I always uh, that I always share with the with the team and I sort of live by as well. Um, and I'm not sure if I get this one right in English, um, but it's basically no plan, no matter how sophisticated, ever survives contact with the enemy force. Right? Doesn't matter how well you how well you plan everything. Once you hit reality, once you engage, you got to course correct, you got to adapt. Um, and I think that that agility, uh, keeping that agility throughout our lives, professional and personal, uh, would be the biggest advice I'd, I'd give the, the even younger Eric um, and I'd give anyone in my team. Perfect. We're getting deep and that kind of leads me to my third one. So um, thinking of the advice, what's one thing every MSP could or should invest in right now? I would say, and it's pretty obvious, uh, it's customer success. Um, we can see it uh, in the market. And if we look back at the economy for the past you know, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, growth won't always be as uh, large as it is today. Uh, and the way to really um, sustain um, sort of the cycles um, and the, the troughs that uh, um, inevitably come up um, is to, to drive sustainable growth, right? So to really focus in on your repeat customers, on your baseline, different words for it. So I would say, if you are focused on a recurring or consumption business, then you have to focus in and hone in on your um, on your customer success initiatives and what you're doing around it. All right, so thanks, Eric. Let's great to have you here. Let's dive in deep to see how customer success can help with our digital transformation. Eric, as I mentioned in the intro, we're here talking about customer experience, including the technology, products, services, but also the people, the soft skills, and the culture required to make this a success. So we'll start broadly. Every day, as consumers, we see examples of good customer experience and bad customer experience. We know if we're enjoying this or we're not. But in the professional landscape, I don't think most companies really invest or focus or truly understand what the consumer experience is. Would you agree? And if so, why is that? I would agree. Um, I mean, there are shining examples as well uh, in, in the B2B space. Um, the first thing that's uh, fairly hard in that space is you tend to separate the product experience, whatever is the product you're selling, could be service as well, and making sure that delivers on whatever is the expectation. So that's the experience with it. And you tend to neglect the actual experience that your customer, be it a business or a consumer, has with you as a company, as a team of uh, team of talents. Um, so that's the first piece, that separation um, between where you focus and focusing on both uh, requires a very different approach. In a way, uh, it's easier because it's much more factual to get experience with a product or a service right than to get experience in an engagement, especially today, uh, you mentioned it in the introduction, in an omni-channel engagement where not every touch point that that customer is going to have with me is going to involve people. It's going to go from online self-serve to people to interactive with technology uh, and, and crafting and measuring that experience uh, or that total experience um, is very hard. That's the first bit, but we love hard things. So the, the second challenge that you tend to, ha uh, to have is businesses are, and especially nowadays, uh, really, you know, focused on growth and focused on the money. That's the easiest thing in the world to measure. Um, and you, you tend to have this in most companies, right? You look at the quarter end results or annual results. Mm -hmm. 
um, that way. And so any initiatives or key focus areas in the, in the company that get attention tend to be fairly directly um, correlated to that financial outcome. And it's significantly harder to build that very clear um, connection and correlation uh, between an improved experience uh, and the financial outcome. So that's one of the reasons um, that uh, you see a lot of companies you know, shying away from it or thinking of it last is maybe a better way uh, to say it. Um, because it's just uh, not as easy to correlate. So it's a much more longer term effect um, that you tend to see. Uh, and then the other excuse that you get is that that is a lot, uh, that type of experience with you as a company is a lot more subjective um, than uh, the experience with your product or your service. Okay. And, and to help set the scene, your title is Executive Director of Global Customer Success. What does that mean? Like, what's the impact that your team specifically has on our business and our customers' business? Customer success, platform success, modern support. And then we've got two organizations, uh, two teams that sit behind the teams, uh, these three teams, and basically empower them uh, to uh, get better and better and provide more and more value uh, to our partners, be it with data, be it with automation, um, and so forth. So. That's the um, the explanation of, of how we're set up um, globally. Now, how does this uh, benefit the partners? Now, the first piece is it significantly eases the engagement with us with Ingram MicroCloud because effectively um, our resellers have a single point uh, uh, to raise issues to, no matter where they are. They have a single point uh, to work on technology and integration, and they have a single point um, that understands them holistically as a business, no matter the vendor or the practice or the domain. So no matter whether it's uh, related to Microsoft, AWS, Google, whether it's related to cybersecurity infrastructure as a service, they have a single person um, that is not biased, that is essentially centric um, around them uh, versus around a practice or a domain. So that uh, has helped a lot. Uh, again, take time out of that engagement, uh, the purely the engagement and focus much more on the business. Um, the other pieces, and we've gotten a lot of really, really great feedback uh, around the globe is uh, those teams provide those partners with a completely new lens that they can look at their business with, including the data that we give them, right? So many MSPs today, in fact, most, um, do not uh, track uh, their business between a, let's say, a baseline, a recurring baseline, uh, and then that pure isolated uh, net growth. So the way to look at that baseline, how it's operating, whether it's profitable, how concentrated their revenue is over how few or how many customers, provides them with a very different um, set of data to make, um, I would say, very, um, uh, very good and fast uh, decisions on. Um, so that team helps them, uh, consults them, and, uh, and basically has the mission to get our MSP partners to the point where they can easily and efficiently um, build a customer success practice. Um, and then really it's about a compound effect. The better we are able to help our partners sustainably keep and grow their baseline, the more their actual growth and their revenue um, will compound uh, over time. And we've seen um, great effects, but I'm sure uh, we're gonna get into some of the metrics uh, later around the partners that are engaging with us there.
Perfect, Eric. And, and we're throwing a lot of terms around here. So what's the difference between customer experience versus customer success? I would say the simplest way to explain it is that customer experience measures uh, more of a feeling and an effort uh, and customer success measures more uh, realization of outcomes, very concrete outcomes. That's the easiest way to say it. So experience, feeling, effort, success, outcomes. Okay, so we're talking about measurements. Let's jump into KPIs. What are some of the metrics or KPIs that companies should be using to manage and track their performance? Basically, how do we know if we're doing a good job? We're doing a good job in customer success. Um, there are a couple of metrics that the market will know, but some that really um, are prevalent now in the in the direct space, uh, but not so much yet uh, in in the channel. Um, the first one is is pretty clear. It's renewal and retention rate of the existing base. Um, but the the new lens and the metric to look at is gross retention, um, which is a much, if you wish, if you will, much harsher, view of what exactly was there before and exactly how much is still uh, there. Uh, the second metric um, that uh, is an absolute best practice to track and first to analyze is uh, NR NDR, same thing, net revenue retention, net dollar retention. Um, then something uh, I would also suggest as a good starting point, especially for our MSPs, is utilization. So specifically of the product or service they sold, exactly how much of that is utilized at different points in time uh, throughout the life cycle. Uh, and then last, which is um, not just a support metric, is that move from CSAT, customer satisfaction, to customer effort score, which is becoming more and more prevalent uh, in the market and is also a way that we measure ourselves. It's less touchy-feely um, because you, you can love an interaction but still churn and still leave, right? Mm -hmm. You don't feel uh, satisfied with the the uh, the effort you had to go through it, even if the result was satisfactory, right? So that customer effort score, I'd say is that fourth metric to look at and see, are we continuously decreasing the effort uh, of any interaction uh, that our customers uh, have with us? That's the way many of the biggest tech consumer companies shine today. Take Uber as an example. I think we're gonna have a lot of people Googling customer effort score to see what that is exactly. And it's, it's a new one for sure. No need, Craig, I got you. Customer effort score or CES is calculated using data from a customer satisfaction survey, specifically measuring a product or services ease of use. As you've probably guessed, it reflects the amount of effort a customer has to exert to use a product or service but also the effort to find information they need to place orders and returns or get an issue resolved. By tracking CES and digging into the reasons for it being high or low, you can uncover high effort pain points and make changes that have a big impact on customer experience. So that's customer effort score. What do you think yours is? Back to you, Craig. So we've talked a lot about KPIs, tools, dashboards. Maybe spend a second to talk about how do we combine this when it comes to investing in both tools and resources, but people when it comes to soft skills and actually applying this. You need both is the simple answer, right? Um, uh, people, uh, people understand people and only people are able to uh, engage that partner fully. Um, but at the start, even before you empower them with soft skills of how to consult on 
truly understanding um, the the outcomes that your customer wants to drive, which aren't just the outcomes of the project. It means an understanding of their company, of their competitive space um, that they're in, of their business strategy, and then sort of slotting in what you're talking to them about. Um, to be able to do that, you need to train them on soft skills. But the first thing you need to provide uh, your people is data, right? Because if you give them the ability to uh, absorb or even just see the data that tells that story, they can put one and one together uh, and with a very high degree of credibility and relevance, get that point across. And that's what we need people for because there's going to be a lot of back and forth, not just talking, um, but, but also listening. And for that, uh, you truly need a, a well-enabled team. You gotta, in customer success, um, especially on the CSM side, really um, bridge that profile between the classic salesperson, the consultant, um, and I mean management consultant, um, and the person that is traditionally a relationship uh, type of manager. So finding that bridge profile uh, or creating it um, is really the the crux here. You don't need that to start, um, but I'm sure we're uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that later. Um, but that's what I would focus on. Fantastic. Appreciate the insights. All right. On this show, we like to focus on practical application and advice. So, Eric, for you, where should a partner start if they're looking to improve their customer experience and how to measure it? First, um, I would take a very different look at my baseline, right? So peel the onion, basically. Look at your business from last year and compare it to the year prior and separate out what you generated new. And there are different types of new, right? What new products did you place with uh, your existing customers versus where did you get them to utilize more of an existing product? And how much did you bring in completely net new customers? So simple way to start there and look at where your growth is coming from. That's the sort of first uh, layer of the onion, rather than just looking at your overall growth of last year versus the year prior, because cloud is growing so much, it's it's shielding that onion, if you will, right? It's shielding um, from, from really honing in on what you need to. And once you peel the first two layers, you'll start seeing, uh, and you should start looking at the different profitability profile of what you did with your baseline, versus the profitability of what you uh, what you had to do and are doing with the uh, either customers you brought in new or the net new products you placed into existing customers, right? So the order is look at a new lens and analyze your, uh, your cost of growth or cost of expansion um, in a number of different uh, layers. Then the second thing you look at today, because that gives you a view of how volatile your business is, and many CFOs will do that, Look at your revenue concentration. How much of your business do you do with how many of your uh, customers? That's the easy thing. And I'd say most of the MSPs do it, but then look at it by category. If you're active in infrastructure as a service and cyber, peel the onion. How revenue concentrated are you in one practice versus the other practice? How are you staffed against those concentrations? So do you have all your account managers on just the top partners? That might be an opportunity to, to do, be counterintuitive and rebalance some of that focus into, if you will, your long tail to start bringing that up and becoming less volatile, have a more um, balanced book of business or portfolio. Um, and then the, the third piece, and we spoke a little bit about it before, 
truly look at a utilization. So of what you sold, say six months ago, exactly how much of that is being used. The true, uh, in German we say Königsdisziplin, the sort of kings and queens discipline, uh, the, um, the perfect state um, is where your sales team is slightly underselling. So you get to a hundred percent utilization very, very quickly, right? And you hit those, that time to value, time to outcomes. And your customer comes to you and said, Hey, actually we need some more. We're already using all of the, the things that we did. It's counterintuitive because today what happens in virtually every business is you're selling just that little bit above what they actually need. Problem is you'll never really get to hundred percent retention. So the third point is really take a very close look at utilization that will allow you to judge not just risk, um, but it'll allow you to judge also profitability uh, and growth potential. Uh, because if you're at 50% utilization, but you're already collecting the money, most of your growth is, is going to come without actually generating um, more money. Perfect. And Eric, back to your analogy of peeling the onion, we all know what happens. You're going to be crying. So it's either crying tears of happiness or sadness, depending on what the outcome is. Okay. So as we wrap things up, hopefully everyone's still with us and leaning in just as much as I am. But if you had to pick one thing, what's the one biggest thing an MSP should do immediately to make the biggest impact on their customer's experience and their journey throughout this? Reduce time to value and measure it right, with the thing that you sold them. Um, that's high level. Um, but what that translates to organizationally is the, uh, is the handover from closed sale to full value and looking at sort of an onboarding team. That's uh, one way. And I don't just mean a technical implementation team because every MSP will have that and do that well, but more from the business side and not just account management. So onboarding and then starting to craft a one month, three month, six month check-in that is dedicated to utilization and that's checking that time to value. Focus there first way before you know you take apart the sales team into a customer success and net new sales that's the place to start perfect eric thank you again for your positive insights and your outlook on this we're going to circle back with you at the end of the show where we go through the playlist selection For this next segment, we're joined by Matt Hall, Microsoft's Worldwide Director of Customer Success and Strategy, to discuss his experiences on this topic. How does he define customer success? How does he ensure success? And what does his team focus on every day? Hey, Matt, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. But before we jump into it, tell us a bit about yourself, your role, and what you like to do outside of work. Well, hey, super excited to be here, and thanks so much for having me. I uh, lead uh, Customer Success Strategy uh, for our modern work uh, portfolio of solutions. So if you think about Microsoft Teams, Microsoft Office, Exchange, SharePoint, Viva, et cetera. Uh, and so really exciting scope. And I, I definitely love my job and working with customers and partners every day to, to make sure that people are getting value out of the solutions they purchase from Microsoft. But outside of work, uh, I live near the beach and I love the beach and the outdoors. I'm a bit of an introvert. Uh, and so I love going for walks and love spending time with my two little puppy dogs that make my life fun fantastic and sometimes very irritating uh and so yeah it's uh it's a varied life uh, i actually live in sydney in australia uh, and i manage a team that's a global team uh many people who are based in the states and then a couple people that are based in europe and so living the hybrid work dream 
Perfect. And to that point, another fun question, since living in Sydney, you're obviously in Seattle the headquarters right now. So you travel a lot. And those are some long flights. I've done it before. So maybe is there a certain gadget, gizmo or process you go through that you want to share with the audience? 17 hours is a long time to spend on a flight. And so I would not recommend it for anyone. The human body is not supposed to go through that much travel. <laughs> I, I tend to have a pretty strict routine. So the first thing is don't get dehydrated on the plane. Uh, it's the best way to get really jet lagged. Uh, and so I tend to buy like three bottles of water before I get on the plane and drink as much water as I can. The most important gadget I have is I have a little uh, adapter that lets me use my AirPods on the plane mm. to listen to movies and stuff. And that's just a godsend. And then the last thing that I'd mention, even though you didn't ask, is you always need to stay up till at least 7.30 at night, the first night you get there, to wear off the jet lag. Uh, there's so many times I've come over to the States, landed in LAX at 6 a.m., and then tried to go to bed at like midday because it was 2 a.m. in the morning Sydney time. And it just ruins your body clock. So stay stay awake until 7.30 and you won't regret it for the rest of the, uh, the trip. Yeah, no, that, that last one I do myself. But I'm definitely going to be Googling after this the, uh, the, the the dongle for your AirPods. That's a great one because I always carry two, my AirPods and these big things. So yeah. good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, fantastic. Welcome to the show. We're going to have a lot of fun today. So this podcast is all about customer experience in digital transformation. As someone whose role is focused on ensuring customer success, I'm sure that you have many thought-provoking insights for MSPs today, as well about what they can offer their customers tomorrow. So let's get into it. Matt, how would you define customer success? And how do you identify the changes that are needed to drive it? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I simply think about customer success as being a customer achieving the goals that they set out to achieve when they purchase the technology uh, at the start of the sales process. But getting there is not necessarily simple. Uh, and there's a lot of learnings that people have as they mature their customer success practice. The way I like to think about it is building a really good understanding of the industry that the customer is in and the business challenge that's associated. The persona that um, the customer has that's trying to get value out of the solutions that they purchased. Uh, and then also the, the existing process that's in play. And deeply understanding across these three kind of different pillars, what's the customer trying to achieve? What's the business challenge they're trying to solve? And making sure as the customer is setting their goals, they want to get out of their solution, that they're aligned to solving the, the real challenge that exists across these three different vectors. And that the solutions that our people put on the table are able to address uh, those different challenges. Okay. And then speaking of challenges, what about the skill sets required? Um, what are the ones that are required today and have they changed over the years? And if is there something maybe new or new approach that you'd want to add to that? So a lot of people think about customer success as starting off in this uh, customer service type mentality and being more about break fix. And I think that was definitely kind of the start of the customer success function. But it's evolved a ton. And I can talk about the evolution we've been on at Microsoft. As we first transitioned to the cloud and invested in customer success, we actually invested very heavily in resources that could help customers build adoption and change management practices. Uh, so they could really change the culture of how people looked at technology and adopted technology uh, in their ecosystem as they went from perpetual releases to continuous value creation with cloud. Um, over time, we've kind of gone back from this 
business focused ACM only resource uh, to more focus on a, a resource that can have business depth uh, and tech, what we call technical credibility, right? And be able to talk to the business's challenges, really uncover the challenges a customer may have, be able to map those to the solutions that they purchased and the technology they purchased, and then be able to go out and drive change in the organization to ensure wide scale adoption of the technology. And those three different skill sets are what makes up a really great CSM in the market. Um, and also what in some cases, uh, different organizations combine in the, the CSM role with a, a cloud solution architect or technical role. Like I love talking about these topics and digital transformation, especially because it really looks at people, process and technology. Where's, where's customer success fit in that kind of model? It's a really great question. As I touched on the previous answer, I think all three are super applicable uh, as we go uh, as we go forward. And that maps the evolution of the way that we've thought of the customer success roles um, evolving over the last couple of years. So firstly, on people, I think it's super important uh, to understand the person behind the solution uh, that you're trying to go out and help the customer get value from. Uh, understanding their role, understanding their persona, and also understanding the industry that they're in and the challenges that they have. It's really important to create the most effective solution for them to get value out of. Then secondly, the existing process, and this is incredibly important to understand kind of the from, what we call the from to. So how you drive transformation for uh, the customer and also how you drive change management uh, as you roll out a new process. Uh, having understanding and empathy for that existing process is super important. And then the last one around technology um, is critical because at the end of the day, that is the enabler of the solution and the ability for the customer to get value. And so being able to map the persona challenges, the outcomes they're looking for and, and, and the goals that they're setting, while, whilst understanding the existing process that they have with the technology that they purchased and the technology in the platform, I think is just the foundation of customer success. And when you bring all three elements together, you get great outcomes. Perfect. And I couldn't agree more. And we're talking a lot about the balance between people and technology. So if you start thinking it through of what do people do every day, the technical competency and the soft skills, you kind of touched on this earlier. How do you balance that? And where's maybe the gap within that equation? Firstly, the, this, what you would call the soft skills, I think are incredibly important. And they're important because it's not always obvious what goal the customer is trying to achieve and how a solution can map to that goal. And so our best CSMs will uncover the problem and go deep with the customer to make sure that there's really strong alignment on what that problem and what that goal is before we even start kind of working down the path of what a solution might be. On the technical side, it is important for what we call to have technical credibility so that you can take the problems and map it to the solutions or the product and tech uh, that has been put on the table. And so the mixture of both those skills is, is super important. Um, and in big enterprise deployments, it's actually super critical to have really good depth across both vectors. Um, when we think about where the gap exists today in the market, usually a candidate that comes through a recruiting process will have one or the other, but doesn't necessarily have depth in one and credibility in the other. And so the candidates that we look for are well balanced across both uh, and have a baseline of technical depth, but have really strong skills 
uh, on the softer skills or business uh, acumen side, uh, which is super important as we've talked about. So Matt, earlier I was talking to Eric about the same thing, but your team is really focused on increasing value consumption. And how do you know if it's actually working when it comes to success and where, where do you identify the most opportunity and how to move forward? So we start off by thinking about um, customers that uh, are really kind of uh, getting very clear on the goals that they want to achieve uh, through utilizing the solution. Uh, and we, we look at different activities that are really uh, good indicators of that, like execution of envisaging workshops, et cetera, with customers. Then we'll look at um, deployment plans and making sure that we've got the right plans in play uh, to go out and help customers to get value out of the products that they purchase once they've aligned on a solution and a goal that they want to achieve with that solution. And then what we look at is increasing in what we call monthly active users of our technology and really seeing kind of the adoption curve increase over time um, and making sure that customers uh, are experiencing some virality uh, of the solution that they've designed to solve their problem. And finally, what we look at is thinking about how all those usage uh, goals that we've driven with the customer uh, then relate to a, a better monetary outcome with the customer over time. And there we look at the lifetime value of the customer and, and track that that's going up as an indication that they're getting value out of the solutions that they purchase. Because the hypothesis that a customer is only going to spend money on something that they're getting value of is, is getting more and more true in, in the cloud world. Perfect, Matt. I couldn't agree more. And, and for someone who's always YouTubing ways to get better at Excel and do an if-then statement, I definitely agree with that one for sure. Um, and for your point of view, working with a ton of MSPs every single day, what are maybe three things they can do today to improve customer success? You need to break it down because not all MSPs are going to be at the same stage of investing in a big CS practice and going out and driving that at scale with their customers. So my first one is to start small. If you don't have a CS rep or you don't have a CS practice today, you don't necessarily need to jump straight to hiring a resource that focuses on customer success. Instead, think about how you can apply the CS mindset or methodology to some of your existing customers to make their experience better. So one thing that I think about is how do you take the next five deployments you do and make them 20% more efficient by getting a really great understanding of the process and automating areas of friction that the customer has? Or how do you think about having three really great change management plans that you put in play with some of your biggest customers to ensure that they're getting value out of the solutions they've already purchased with you and that that value can really permeate throughout the organization as it goes through? Once you're ready, I think it's incredibly important to hire the right skill set with the balance of skills we talked about change management? Don't worry, Craig. It doesn't mean replacing all your managers with new ones. Hopefully, if you get change management right, you don't have to replace any of your managers at all. Change management means managing change. It describes a systematic approach to dealing with transformation or transition in your business, whether that's a change of strategy, goals, processes, culture, or technology. Change management helps make that smoother with training, planning, and communication to support employees and leadership to adapt and to make sure that the customer experience stays seamless throughout. 
So having someone who can have that business conversation and truly identify the business driver and the business goal with the customer, and then map that to the technology that you have in your portfolio and you've sold to the customer is really important with some sense of credibility. And so make sure that you have that balance and the skill. And then where there's deficiency, train that person to develop kind of either that technical depth or that solution sales mindset or solution skilling mindset with the customer. And then the last kind of piece of advice that I give you is, is create repeatability in your process. It's the only way that you're going to be able to drive customer success at scale across your customers. And so think about each of the different kind of stages of customer success as you're building your function and work out how you can create repeat, repeatability and consistency at scale uh, across your CS function. Now, those are some great suggestions. And I think to your point, you don't always have to go big. If you're starting out and you don't have the money or the people, just start small, right? Even just doing a survey to your customers for the first time, if you've never done it before, to get a baseline of where you kind of stand. So those are some great points. And then maybe some for some fun to end the, end the Q&A. Any kind of uh, interesting, let's say experiences you've had with some of your, your deployments or customers that maybe didn't go so well? Plenty, and, and I'm sure that everyone on the call or everyone listening to the podcast has is, is probably had a very similar experience. I'm not going to name names, but I think one experience I had God, probably six, seven years ago, I was doing a, a presentation to a customer about the reliability of Skype for Business, and we were doing a hybrid uh, presentation. And ironically, Skype for Business just crashed, I think, 10 <laughs> times during an hour-long presentation, which was oh, not no. necessarily fantastic for the message I was trying to deliver to the customer. Um, but, you know, we learned and, and all of that learning that we got on Skype for Business, we applied to Microsoft Teams, which is an infinitely better product. And so um, I, can, I can confidently say those experiences created better outcomes for customers, but it definitely was a bit of a, a disaster at the time. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm sure uh, maybe the customer was maybe laughing, but I'm sure you weren't. Well, we come to the end of our show and I want to thank our guests for their time and energy today. And we're going to close things off with their selections and the musical playlist. So Eric, we'll start with you. We ask each of our guests to come up with two songs, maybe one that's a current favorite that they're on replay. Maybe you enjoyed at Cloud Summit. And then the second one, maybe it's a guilty pleasure that you don't want anybody to know about. What would they be? The first one right now on replay is uh, Feeling Alive by uh, Earl St. Clair. And the second one, you know, everybody can know it. We'll know about it now. The whole world will. Um, but it's uh, better than ever from uh, Flight Facilities and uh, Aloe Black. Fantastic. And over to you, Matt. What are two songs you want to share? Maybe one that's on repeat that you can't get enough of. And then one maybe a guilty pleasure that we don't know about. Yeah. So the first one is Sunday Best by The Services. And that, that one's on repeat right now. Uh, I just love the vibe of the song. It's fantastic. And then my guilty pleasure, uh, which I just don't want to admit, but I will on a podcast listen to a lot of people is as it was by Harry Styles. And so, um, again, kind of on repeat, my wife loves it and I've, uh, I've started to love it too. So thank you so much. We're building the kiss my sass playlist and you'll be available in the description of the podcast. I want to thank my guests, Eric and Matt for sharing their knowledge, their experience and their time. I want to thank our listeners more importantly for joining on this journey with us as we do something a little bit different to share our insights and I hope you can join us next time on Kiss My Sass, the podcast for the modern MSP.
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get notifications for when the next episode is available. Until then, it's been great seeing you and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Kiss My Sass, the podcast for the modern MSP. From the smartest solvers to the most inspiring innovators, we're here to help MSPs rise with more innovation, more opportunity, and more success. So stay awesome and we'll catch you next time. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, representing the views of the host and our guests, not the broader view of Ingram MicroCloud. Information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. Thank you.